It is Black Friday, a day when everybody's out shopping, and if you own a restaurant, this could be your day too. We want to encourage you to utilize our sponsors on this show, Cytex, Supersource, Sharpier's Bakery, What Chefs Want, and Complete Health Partners. All of these companies are here in Nashville to help you succeed. Please go to NashvilleRestaurantRadio.com. Click the Sponsors tab to learn more. Welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio, the tastiest hour of talk in Music City. Now here's your host, Brandon Still. Hello, Music City, and welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio. My name is Brandon Still, and I am your host, and I am joined today on the intro with Jen Ichikawa. What's going on, Jen? Hi, how are you? I'm doing great. I like doing intros where you're involved. I know that you have got so much going on in your life, and I know people like, you have a co-host, but like half the shows are without her. I know. This is a crazy time of the year. Mm-hmm. We, we're going to do something in the new year. We'll, maybe we'll talk about some of this stuff, but everybody's got a lot of stuff going on. Mm-hmm. And I'm just happy that you're here. Me too. So today we're going to be talking uh, with Sean Lyons. Mm-hmm. And he is the new managing partner over at the Germantown Cafe. And these guys, uh, he's working with Jeffrey Martin, who longtime chef at the Germantown Cafe. He was at Germantown East back in the day with like Jay Luther and everybody. Um, and then today we're talking to Sean just about where he came from, what he's doing. What do you think about the interview? Well, um, he's definitely a really interesting person, uh, and he has some insight. I don't know that I don't know that I would. I don't think we would mesh together if I worked there. Um, I think it's probably not the right environment for me, but that doesn't mean it's not the right environment for others. Yeah, well, that's, that's eloquently stated. I think you'll hear in the interview where he talks. He comes from a dance background, and. He's he's very passionate. He has a finance has a finance degree, so some of the things that he does in business and creating community, and he really, I don't know. I, I don't know if I feel like he articulated it, but I see what you're saying. Like he really wants people to do their best, and he wants to know what their goals are, yeah. and he wants to do a lot of extracurricular, like let me help you be a better person, kind of a thing, and. While I think that some people are super down for that and they want that, I also can see where people like yourself uh, or even myself, but I I would just say, I'm good, man. Thanks. Yeah, I definitely, I think, I think intent over impact is a big conversation in the world right now. Like we didn't intend to hurt your feelings, but the impact is we hurt your feelings. Right. And so that's like a global conversation we're having with like the reckoning of, understanding white privilege and understanding gender stereotype and all of these things. And I think in that capacity, I would not be a fit there. Um, because I think just from my standpoint, it just, yeah, I just think I wouldn't be a good fit there, but I'm not looking for a job either. Like I'm, I'm full up. So. Well, and you know, every job doesn't have to be every job for every person. You know, right. I think that it's, you know, there's a lot of people that don't like working for me. Yes. Raise, raise I my really- hand. Like, you are polarizing, which I think is so because you're my favorite boss, which isn't just right. like a stuck up thing, but like you are. So it's it's funny to me. 
Yeah, but it's different. Like I can, I think that part about being a leader is identifying your style and what you want and then articulating what you want to people and saying you can either be in this culture or you don't have to be in this culture. I think that we talked a little bit about that with um, Alex Wenkos when she was on the show over at um, Dino's. You know, she she was at, yeah, she was, she owns Dino's now, but she when she Dino's. was, when she was at Josephine, yeah. it just wasn't a right fit for her. It's a great fit for a lot of people. Yeah. It just wasn't for her. So I think that's an interesting conversation. Do you have to be a one-size-fits-all type restaurant? Or can you be a, hey, this is how we're going to lead. This is what we want to do. You can come in, and if that's what you want, then awesome. If it's not, don't work here. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think – and I, again, I think his intent is really great. I think his intent is to better everyone that he meets. And I think that's yeah. like such a great goal. Um, I just think sometimes the impact of that can be different or lost or misconstrued. And Well, now we've got everybody's appetites whetted. We're ready to go. You're going to love this episode. It's going to be a fun episode. I hope that – did you have a nice Thanksgiving? Yeah, we did. <laughs> Very busy day. Very busy day. A lot of fun uh, working with you on Thanksgiving. It's always one of those days where you really get to test everything. Everybody just kind of comes together. And I think when you experience working, we do like a thousand people every Thanksgiving at Maribel. And when you do that many people, everybody works together and you kind of go through the fire together. I think it's a great team building kind of a day, especially you spend Thanksgiving with all the people you work with. So it's kind of like your work family. You get to really share with them. It's pretty neat. Yeah, it'll be. It's a it's a fun day for sure. Yeah. All right, so we're going to um, not have any live episodes in the month of December, mm-hmm. just to let everybody know. We're not doing live episodes in December. We are going to put our, our thinking caps on. Every time I had a teacher, it's like, let's put our thinking caps on. I'm like, what is this motion? Uh, put our thinking caps on. We're going to be planning, doing a lot of really cool stuff. I know you've got some plans for what you're going to be contributing to the show in 2022, mm-hmm. and I'm really, really excited about it. We're not going to let the cat out of the bag quite yet. Mm-hmm. But we're going to do four episodes. We're going to do repeat shows. Go back. We did a grateful Nashville show. Uh, we put it out the day before Thanksgiving. We get to hear Benjamin and Tara Goldberg talk about their holiday traditions. Stephen and Jolene Smithing, who own the restaurants we work in, um, they uh, talk about their family traditions and kind of what they do for what they're grateful for. And then I get caught up with Kelly Sutton. That's another great episode for you guys to go back and listen to because Kelly was my co-host last year and she uh she was great she's doing she's um, all over the place now Mm -hmm. syndicated radio shows it's amazing how uh, she's killing it so um i think we should jump in right you guys are tired of hearing us talk (laughs) well hopefully not too tired it's a long episode it is a long episode but you know before (laughs) we even get into that i want to tell everybody out there about sharpier's bakery because you know what Erin Moso is amazing. I talked to her last week and I said, hey, how's everything going? How are you guys doing over there? She goes, we are busy. Everything is going really well. We love working with you. People are calling us. We're getting set up for new accounts. And I'm just like, yes. So you guys out there are supporting local. You're buying your fresh bread from local people. She's still out there. If you go to our website, NashvilleRestaurantRadio.com, you can... Uh, click the sponsors tab and you'll find Sharpier's Bakery. Click that link or you can check them out at sharpiers.com. That's C H A R P I E R S.com. They're celebrating 35 years of being the local bakery for the chefs in Nashville. 
Uh, they deliver six days a week. They have over 200 different types of bread that they make. Guys, if you're if you're tired, like right now, you're prepping for Thanksgiving or prepping for Christmas holidays, um, it's so much easier when your bread is delivered. It definitely makes a huge difference. It's not just burger buns and dinner rolls. They do it all. So uh, check them out. Sharpie's Bakery. But let's talk right now with Sean Lyons from Germantown Cafe. All right, super excited today to welcome in Sean Lyons. He is the managing partner at the Germantown Cafe. How are you doing today, man? Doing well. Like I said, just uh, keeping up and it's a lot of anticipated demand and we're just trying to satisfy that and stay sane, you know? <laughs> so you are the managing partner. You came on while you guys were on the uh, the break. Now, you guys weren't, you guys were affected by the tornado and you have not opened since. You just recently opened this past week, right? Yeah, that's correct. I was kind of involved or getting involved about a month before the tornado. Um, and then the tornado hit. And then we asked we were going to keep going. And we got business, business interruption insurance. So we decided to you know, keep the plan going. And then COVID hit. And luckily, we already had business interruption. So it was kind of a blessing in disguise. And But it slowed everything down dramatically and gave us less money because of COVID. But at least we got something. But yeah, this has been the second week open since... Uh, 20 months so when did you come on board um officially this past may um unofficially about a year and a half before that oh wow yeah so what were you doing before this let's get back to let's start off with just kind of some of your history because i don't know you uh like i've i've kind of been watching you via the social media and obviously i've known jeffrey martin for many 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 years you're kind of new on the scene to me but i like what you're doing like you have a I think if there's anything you're about as authentic as it comes to really genuinely wanting to be part of the community as the Germantown cafe is like the, the, the Germantown neighborhood restaurant. That's what, for my eyes, that's what it looks like you want to be. Where does that come from? Um, I don't know. I think it's a, a need for community. Um, when I was, when I was younger, I always wanted to be in restaurants. You know, I was one of those uh, food network babies, you know, when I was just blowing up and I, wanted to be in the food network. And my mom said at the time they weren't in the food industry. They said, well, if you want to do that, you better go get a job because we think you're going to hate it. <laughs> and then I didn't, you know, I was a bus boy and a cook and I freaking loved it. Um, probably because I was a wrestler and I was deprived of food all the time. Um, but regardless of the reason, I still kind of fell in love with it. Um, and I had like two simultaneous passions growing up. It was food and dance and all my money from food went into dancing. And I never knew what I was going to which one I was going to choose when I got older. And I had a, the opportunity to do both. And it was just a matter of when I did each one. Um, but so yeah, what, and, what, what type of dancing? When did you start getting into dance? Because that's something that's um, it's unique. Yeah, uh, when I was 11 years old, um, I woke up on a pool deck in Miami and the only cruise I've ever went to in my life. And I saw a salsa convention going on and I just started liking girls at that time. And <laughs> I wanted to be that guy, you know? So uh, yeah. girls crawl up legs and dip in and all that stuff. And, I think I already like dance and I like that version of it. <laughs> um, and so, yes, there's a girl that I kind of had a crush on when I was younger. And she asked me if I wanted to learn how to dance. She was Latina, like six months after that experience. And I said, yes, yes, I do want to learn how to dance. <laughs> and um, I was at a ballroom studio. And then I went to a competition and saw some really good people. And I was always an athlete, you know, <laughs> until then, you know, since I was like five years old. But I was like, wow, these people are actually athletes. And so I saw the athlete plus the the guy-girl dynamic and 
kind of fell in love with that. And so um, when I turned 15, uh, it cost a lot of money to do that kind of dancing. So literally all my money went from cash tips straight to my dance teachers. So, um, but yeah, I, yeah, I went to college because to Purdue because they had a really good hospitality program and they had one of the best ballroom dance teams in the entire United States. Um, ended up dropping out of the hospitality and did finance instead because I had been working in restaurants for you know six years, five to six years at that point, and I didn't understand spending thirty to forty thousand dollars to learn the stuff that we already knew. Um, so I got a degree in finance and then did dance throughout that stuff, and then when I graduated I decided to try to get a job in finance just to make sure because there's potentially a lot of money in it <laughs> um, yeah. and I worked with great people but I hated what I was doing I was good with numbers but I didn't like what it was just being applied to it was just boring to me and so I went to go work for a group called Hillstone you might know them but it's the Bricktops group originally mm -hmm. uh, Bricktops split off from Hillstone and Hillstone went off to make you know 40 to 60 restaurants at this point um, and they're known for being like sticklers and super high standards and operations and have really good training programs. So they could also pay a lot of money. Um, and so the step down from finance to that restaurant group wasn't so rough in terms of like my ego <laughs> at the time. And, um, and so I, because I had a finance background, I kind of helped a lot of their chefs implement systems um, and which allowed me to kind of grow pretty quickly with them. And they moved me around to three different cities uh, to run their kitchens. And then when so you were back at the house, uh, I was originally training for front of the house. Um, but I had a lot of back house experience and a lot of systems revolved around food cost and, uh, like tools to evaluate theoretical costs and stuff. They didn't really have the systems for that quite yet. And so I made manual tools for them. Um, and so they asked me if I'd want to do back of the house and run kitchens. Um, and I said, well, it'd get me quicker to the GM spot, which was a lot more money and just more of my personality. And they said, yeah. And so I did that. Um, and by, by the time I left with them, I was still in back house stuff. Um, and I decided to leave because uh, a, a champion dancer of friend of mine and one of the choreographers on Dance for the Stars were starting a studio in Columbus, Ohio. And they asked me um, if I wanted to turn pro. I never wanted to in the past because I wanted to keep passion separate than professional, but they said, basically, you only have four more years that you could do it anyways. Why don't you just do it? And I didn't have a kid or a wife or anything at that time. So I said, why not? And so my old boss from there said I should go do it too. Cause he always wanted to be in a band and he never, never was able to, because he had a family early. Um, he said, we'll always hire you back. And so I went and did that for about three years, three, three and a half. Um, and then I aged out of that, just like they said, um, did as much as I could with that and then uh, reached back out to that same boss and he had become the vice president of food and beverage uh, at the Dream Hotel and they were just building the Dream Hotel in Nashville. And um, my wife and I at that time, I had gotten, well, my fiance at that time, uh, we had talked about moving to a warmer state and Nashville was already on the list. And when I called him and he said what he was doing, he said, we're building something from scratch in Nashville. Do you want to move to Nashville and build it for me? And I said, yeah, that sounds perfect. <laughs> and so yeah, I've been had my head up my butt for the past three years with Dream building all of their venues, their nightclub, their brasserie, and the craft cocktail and cafes and stuff. Um, and they were really awesome. But you know, at the end of the day, I always wanted something of my own. I wanted to put all those eighteen-hour days into my pocket <laughs> instead of somebody else's. And uh, when my wife and I moved to here, we lived in Germantown for three weeks. For three 
months, sorry. And then we bought a house um, right across from Germantown in Hope Gardens. And so we've been here this whole time and we always kept going to Germantown Cafe and I loved that neighborhood vibe. And like, I think that brought me back to like my childhood of wanting to build community and like know people. And I don't know, that's just the extrovert in me, I think. Um, and I thought this place had the cheer. It had all the things that are really hard to build, you know? Yeah. It just had to flip a couple, like in my mind, the low hanging fruit. Yeah. Um, and so what was it, the lowest hanging fruit when you came in? Um, consistency of food and service. I think there was pretty average service. Like it wasn't bad. It was, it was all right. Um, but I just think there's little things that they could do just to make it that much more to be that like really community driven spot. I think they had been kind of riding on their past 15 years versus really trying to go out. I think it's my biggest frustration in Nashville is that I've been to multiple places every single week. I know they recognize me, but they never acknowledge it. They never say, hey, nice to see you. Hey, yeah. Sean, I'm John, the manager. Thanks for coming in every week. You know, So I feel like that need to do that here is, is me. frustration, <laughs> um, truthfully, because I come from Chicago, was in Dallas, was in some bigger markets where that was a little more common. Um, but yeah, I so think I it's Oh, sorry. No, I was just saying, I just think it's interesting because I love people who have, I feel like your kindred spirit with the way you operate a restaurant. Mm -hmm. And I think the way that we are with the green, we, you know, we operate the Greenhouse Grill in Maribel and the Greenhouse Grill for all intents and purposes and Maribel are absolute community restaurants. Like we know we're not going to win a James Beard award. We're not going to be a top 50 restaurant in the world. We don't want any prizes for what we do, but we want if you live around us, we want you to walk into our restaurant and we want you to know that we know who you are. And when you walk to your table, you're going to see your neighbors and you're going to be able to build community and that we're going to be able to give back and be something that's more than just a place that serves food to make money. Like mm -hmm. we are a destination people can come that they feel warm, that they feel welcomed and they feel like they're, they're remembered for who they are. And you're kind of the closest thing I've seen to somebody who's actively going towards that on a daily basis. And I love it. Yeah. yeah. I appreciate it. <laughs> we should have connected sooner. Right. Um, <laughs> but I think like the dance and then the food stuff is kind of with the dance stuff, like with the ballroom, it was always like the fairy tale as things, you know, like in fairy tales, there's always like the waltzes and the whatevers. And mm -hmm. I think like, for some reason, I always thought that fairy tales were kind of true in moments. Like you have moments of fairy tale and like life kind of sucks if you don't have that stuff. And so like, all these romantic things like ballroom dance and restaurants, like I think they really align. And so they seem pretty different, but I think as I get older, I realize like there's lots of common strands between like my drives and motivations. Yeah. Um, I would say this whole time you've been talking, I keep thinking about like every, I feel like every manager I've ever had in any restaurant has talked about like the dance of the restaurant, like, okay, the plate hits and it has to look beautiful. And then somebody else takes the plate. And then once the plate is gone, it goes to dish and it's this whole like moving thing and they talk about like it's choreographed it's choreographed yeah do you feel that way like do you like do you, or you do you try to make your restaurants feel that way of like this very like seamless movement yeah. i mean i we the, the word we use is graceful like mm -hmm. we, we are grace at the restaurant but um i mean right now we definitely don't have it to where we could be but um i think me being a performer and a lot of our staff are performers or models or something. So when I use that verbiage that a lot of us use, like they're on stage, it's like, no, literally like half of us have been on stage. And like, this is what, like, this is what I mean by it. Like a small example is, you know, we, I expect people to have to pay attention to their, per, like 
basically they show up looking good and they show up like um, both in terms of service, like the service they provide, but also how they look. Like, I'm like, I'm not because I'm, it's not because I'm looking for models or I'm shallow. You could be, you know, 70 years old and still look great, you know, because it's the, from us, people come here because they want to see beautiful things. Doesn't mean you need to be 20, you know, but it needs to show that you like put yourself together and you're standing tall, you know, from uh, like when I taught dance, it's how you make money in dance you teach it. You, you have a little more liberty. There's a little less HR in it, but like you, you can tell somebody you're not wearing enough makeup. You're not looking good. Like you're not standing tall. Stop wearing a muumuu. Like wear this stuff to the dance practice because if you don't wear it, you're going to feel like crap and you're not going to dance well and you're wasting your money. So in the, in the, in the like restaurant world, it's like, do your hair. If you do makeup, do it well. If you do your nails, make sure they're done well. Stand up, like make sure there aren't these things because if you don't, then your motivation is going to be an all time low. Like we all have bad days. It's kind of like the military mindset of you make your bed every day because you at least you accomplish something in the restaurants. It's like you did your hair that day. So at least you accomplished something. Right. You know, it's, it's funny because last week I woke up and I had, um, I was having a tough morning, like one of those mental health mornings, you know, where it just starts off and it's just a shit show. And you're like, God, I'm just kind of feeling down. And I knew I had like a 12 hour day ahead of me. It was just one of those tough things. I did like a meditation and then I put on a suit and I wore a tie and I never wear a suit and tie. But today I put on a suit and tie because I needed that extra little something when I walked in to feel like I could go on stage, like I could walk in and lead people, like I could be the person that did that. And it was like, wow, you look nice today. And I was like, thanks. Yeah. You know, and all of a sudden my ego is just getting pumped up. But there was a side of that that I intentionally was like, I'm going to wear a full suit to work today just so that I can get out of this funk I'm feeling this morning. And it worked like it totally the rest of the day. I was like, I'm wearing a suit. What's up? So, yeah, I mean, I guess as I, you know, progress, I, I realized that the, the lines between the two worlds keep crossing. And luckily in Nashville, there's a lot of people that can relate to it versus like a Kansas City or a, know, Arkansas or one of these smaller I don't want to say smaller cities, they're emergencies, but where there's more entertainment around, which is also why I like definitely consider Nashville home like forever, just because it has all the pieces to like who I am. Um, it's like small enough where there can be community and there's enough talent here where like they can relate to my background and like the struggles of, of that world. Um, and they have goals outside of like day-to-day -day life, <laughs> which is which is easier to motivate um, than I'm just trying to get to tomorrow you know which for some people that's okay but and so i have plenty of employees that that is their goal for other reasons but um yeah i like nashville a lot how do you how do you how do you how do you communicate to people that i need you to put more makeup on or that i need you to dress differently or i need you to because that's such a sensitive topic i mean people kind of come into work i need you to care about this, your spirit of service has to be there and you're on stage, but like, how do you actually like communicate that? Well, I, you know, in, in other restaurant groups that have much stronger legal teams, they can tell you girls can wear makeup and guys can't like, they can say that and they can fight those legal battles, but we can't. And truthfully, I don't really care that much. I mean, the thing is that what you're going to do, do well, right? So if a girl's going to wear makeup, wear it well. And if you're not going to wear makeup, you better make sure your hair is done well, not because girls need to wear makeup. It's just like, I want a guy's hair to look just as good as the girls, right? look put together um so if like 
like again, I'm just saying stereotypically, if if a girl doesn't, if it's not who she is to wear makeup, she doesn't have to, you know. But like from common courtesy, it doesn't matter if you're a, a guy or girl, you can put effort into your hair. You can put effort into ironing your shirt. You can put effort into wearing something somewhat stylish within our boundaries. Um, all the other pieces still have to add up and you can still look great, you know? So it is still being equal to that to some extent, um, but it's also constant general pressure. You know, I constantly talk <laughs> about everything, you know, um, and I train our like leaders to do the same. So it's when somebody walks in, obviously I'll do it in private, but like, hey, you have too many frizzies in your hair, but great shirt. Hey, great. Like this burger is awesome. Layers are not good. You know, hey, the melt on that cheese is not so hot, but oh my God, those fucking fries. Look at that stack. It's awesome. So like they're just used to constant braid of like words. So the way I try to teach the leaders is if you're constantly saying something, it's very rarely going to be taken negatively. That just becomes who you are and how you manage. But if you don't do that from the beginning, then it's going to be taken negatively because then they feel like it's not normal. Sure. Uh, yeah. You have to set the standard. I think, you know, I, I'm like a, very like my best friend and I talk all the time about how we're like, Oh, gender is a construct. Like we don't believe in like gender stereotypes. And I'm my, I have two, I have twins that are 10 and a half months old. And I'm like praying that my son wants to be a drag queen, like desperately praying for it. <laughs> and my that. husband's like, that's fine, but you don't need to like start him in drag, like let him figure it out whatever. His hair was in a ponytail yesterday. I was so excited. Anyway. So like, <laughs> they're almost one. They're almost one. Yeah. And I just like, we all, but my husband bought him a football too. And like, was like, all right, well maybe he'll be the first football player that also does drag. Like I hope that for his future. Um, but anyway, <laughs> I've, anyway done, all the, I've done drag. Have you, I've, I was going to say, have you done ballroom in any type of yes, yeah, like, dance world is, yeah, you've certainly worn makeup and all that. Mm -hmm. sure, yeah. Yeah. But, so like the, as far as like the dressing, I totally agree with you. And my, my big thing is like a clean apron. I feel like if your apron is clean, then your shirt is likely clean. And then you're, cause the apron is the afterthought, you know, it's like, that's the thing that you leave in your car and that you, you don't bring home to wash every day and stuff like that. So if your apron looks nice, then chances are you've probably put on a nice shirt and you've probably put on pants that are somewhat clean or presentable and things like that. So I, I dry clean everything. I used to dry clean my apron every day cause I wanted the crease in the middle, everything yeah. about like the spirit of service. Like if you look good, mm -hmm. you feel good. You present much better like the mm -hmm. people i i always felt that way yeah well, he nice. came in, when he came in in that suit i told him he looked like a politician every time he wears a tie i'm always like you look like you're running for office well and i, I always give like my main shift he's probably going to turn to one of our general managers he's amazing and he he worked with us at dream and at dream it's much more chic and cool in mm -hmm. new york so like we had even more i think um band or a little more flexibility in terms of like what you can <laughs> get away with in terms of what customers feel comfortable with or what they relate yeah. to. Um, and I had a looser um, dress code there as well, mostly mm -hmm. just black and looking professional in certain things. And I always used him as an example, but I was like, you know, he is gay and he had really great style. And so like he would fit within the boundaries. It was all black. He would wear like lace on his arms. It was a very professional shirt and it was not out of place for the location. It fit, like I said, the fit was great. I'm like, this is, I, when he wore it for the first time, he and his boyfriend, I'm like, this is, this is perfect, right? It shows your personality. It fits within the guidelines. This is awesome. You know? Yeah. I, so, yeah. So like I said, there's, there's the underlying take care of yourself, but within the boundaries. Yeah. Okay. So I've seen you do when you first kind of got back in the building and I was there, I was there the morning of March the 3rd, I think is, is the owner's name Reed? 
Yeah, yeah, he's the he's our investor. I was there with Reed and Jeffrey on March third that morning, walking through your restaurant that was like two inches deep in water because all of your apartments above flooded through the building. I had a chainsaw. We were like cutting down the trees in the front and off the back. I've got some pretty gnarly pictures I'll send you of the Germantown Cafe that morning. But um, once you got back in there, you started doing these like financial classes. And it makes sense to me now, seeing as though you went to Purdue with a financial degree, you talked about theoreticals in a kitchen. What are you teaching and why, what's the motivation behind that? You just, hey, look, we've got this building. We are not able to open the restaurant yet, but I'm going to start bringing people in who want to learn about restaurant finances. Yeah, I think it's a mix of, like I said, selfishness and what's good for people. So like selfishly, I get motivation from teaching. Like that's what I learned in the dance world too, is like I get the most satisfaction like for my soul when I teach people or like when I help them grow. And yes, that was in the dance world and they like grow in personal ways, but like here is very similar people. It's like young people that don't know what they want. And a lot of times they get so stuck into like making drinks and doing food that they never get out of that. And they can't like, what, what are you waiting for to learn about finance? Well, cause they don't have the resources or they don't have the lens or they're not motivated to do it because it's hard. Right. So it's an unknown too. I mean, yeah. well, I who's going to teach them? I think it's part of it. How old are you? If you don't mind my asking. 31. Okay. Me, I'm about to be 31 too. I think some of that is generational too. Like our parents, they didn't, they, you weren't supposed to talk about your salary. You weren't supposed to talk about like how much your competitor made you like, that was just a taboo topic, right? It was money and like how to manage it or keep it or build it. Or I think some of it is generational at least. Yeah. And a lot of people in our industry, you know, uh, the good ones do want their own restaurant or they're mm -hmm. doing their own business or they're doing a Etsy shop or they're doing something. And it's not that hard. Like, yes, I numbers come easy to me, but if you break it down very simply in a way that they recognize, like from a server financial or like their personal finances, it, it, it's nice to see the light bulb go off. If you just do really, to me, it's like everybody knows this, but they don't. And so for me to put the effort in to do a 40 minute class that I don't need to think about because it's so ingrained in my, like heart or my mind, right? It, it's, it's not new DNA. Of, yeah. It's not a lot of effort for me but there's a lot of value that I can provide to other people. And sure. I mean, if people come in and they really like this stuff and I, I like building the relationship and truthfully, it's kind of a filter too. If people come in and I offer it to the public and they're motivated to do something and they want to come work for me or not, or if they just want to like be friends and come in later. Great. But like there's a mix of, I get satisfaction from working with motivated people and allowing, giving them the tools to be that way. And then, if people are actually motivated, like I said, I'd rather attract them into like my circle. Um, so give, if you were to give me the, the, the cliff notes, something you know that every server should know, financial tips, if I'm, if I'm a server listening to this or if I'm aligned, anybody listening to this, yeah. are you teaching them life skills or are you teaching them restaurant skills? Both. I think life skills first, then restaurant skills. Um, I think restaurant skills come after you feel like somebody's invested in you and they're willing to buy in because most people don't care about restaurant skills. They just care about money and they care about getting to their goals. You know, 90% of people in restaurants don't give a shit about wine. They don't give a fuck about the burger meat you use. So what's their motivation? So give them what they want first and then maybe they'll care about what you want. Like we're bringing in on December 8th, we're bringing in a friend of mine who lives on HGTV for real estate. You know how many servers and bartenders want to be real estate agents? 
a lot. So we're going to bring that in and introduce them, make some connections. And then maybe if they, you know, actually take steps towards them, then they're like, okay, I gave you what you want. Can you like learn about the Bordeaux that I'm bringing in this week? Yeah, yeah, I got you, you know? So again, it's the same thing with like the notes that we're leaving. I, we always say like, turn to like, go give, like give before you receive. I know it's like corny and it's like cliche, but it, it's true. Um, and so that's kind of what we're doing, we're trying to mimic that. So trying to do it obviously from the top, but also like in the community as well. Well, it's kind of like a pay it forward thing. You know, I see right as a, hey, I like your dog or hey, this is cool. Like you're just walking through and you're finding something that somebody in your neighborhood has or does that was intentional. And you're saying, I recognize it. And I see the little things that you're adding to our neighborhood. And I just want you to know that I see you and I want to thank you for making it beautiful. And like I said, there's some selfishness to it. Like I always told the servers, I'm like, it's going to feel good. Like you're going to feel good because of it. You know, like make it, I don't care if you make it selfish. You have a shitty day and it's like, literally you're just going to give a note just so you can feel good. Great. You know, <laughs> I teach a class because I'm tired. I'm teaching class about finance because I'm tired about teaching about service. Like I, I've taught that for 15 years. You know, <laughs> I can teach a class about finance. And it's something slightly different that I haven't taught before. So I get motivated. You get something. What's the most important thing you're teaching? What's the most important fact you could give us right now in finance for servers or anybody in the business? Profit minus expenses equal, or sorry, sales minus expenses equals profit. Most people don't know what that means. It's the simplest thing, right? And wow. so whether you're, whether you're, if you're doing your own Etsy shop, what are sales? It's how many like monogrammed bracelets you made, right? If you're in restaurants, what are sales? It's your food and your beverage. What are expenses? There's three types of expenses. There's labor, there's cost of goods sold, and there's other expenses, which could be a million other things, but those are the big things, right? Like big three controllables. Yeah. Cost of goods sold. What are the goods you're selling? I'm selling bracelets. I'm selling houses. I'm selling food and wine. Are you selling to-go containers? No, you're not actually selling the to-go container. Is that labor? No, that's another expense, right? So just breaking down simple things and so we'll use the lens of restaurants because that's what they're in every day. That's the problem with teaching something that people don't use every day, like a foreign language or history or, I don't know, real estate. People aren't in it every day in college, so they don't remember any of it. So if we use a lens, even if they're not interested in food, if we use the lens that they recognize, then at least they'll remember it. And then when they remember it, then they can apply it to something else. So yeah. let's make it content relatable for them. Yeah. And so at the end, like I make sure whether it's when I hire them or when they come to the class, I'm just like, what is your goal? Right. I want to have my own food truck. Awesome. And it's like during the class, like, okay, when your example, this is what that means. Or at the end, I'll say, let's talk about your example. What we just learned, you understand what we just learned in restaurants, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. What does it mean with what you want to do? And they kind of start making the connection and maybe they don't understand hundred percent, but they start seeing, oh, this is like achievable, which is motivating. I ask people to write it down. If I say, what's your goal? And they go, I want to be a pilot. I go, awesome. That's fantastic. I'd love for you to be a pilot. I want nothing, but I want you to leave this restaurant. I either want you to retire from this restaurant or I want you to leave this restaurant to go pursue your dream being better than when you came here. Okay. I want you to pursue it, but write it down. What's your goal? Write it on a piece of paper and then have it there and then set a date that you want to achieve that goal by and put it on your wall. Like put on your wall so that you go, 
I've written it down. That's my first step is I can say it to a hundred people, but when I write it down, I have to look at it every day and I go, what's my first step. And then you just go do the first step. And then what's step number two, do the step number two. It's, it's getting people to get off their asses and start chasing their dream. They all have dreams, but it's well, writing problem, it down and following it. The problem with the people in the restaurant industry is nobody actually does, or I say 80% of the people don't actually do what they say. That's why they get stuck in the restaurant industry. And that's why we're the leaders, you know, and it's not because they have a lack of, well, they do have a lack of motivation, but there's something in them that doesn't allow them to do it. So you, you may do this too, but um, I don't trust that they're actually going to write it down and put it on the mirror. And so we have a running Google doc that has their goals. And oh, nice. So, so when like I bring it up, I bring it up in pre-shift. I say, Hey, this guy wants to do this thing. This is what he's going to do. Or I'll follow up. Like I even started doing it. Um, like somebody wants to go work in, in our restaurant, she wants to go and fight sex trafficking. You know, her dad was in special forces. Um, she wants to do this. And then I connected her with somebody that I know that can do it. But um, I, I'm, I'm walking the, the horse to water, basically. So um, when they say that they want to get braces for their kids, they need the money to do it. And if they call off, I said, do you still want to get money for your, the braces for your kids? Yeah, I do. Well, you can't, you probably shouldn't call off in that case. How bad is the thing that you need to cancel this for? Right. And so it, it's a, this is a very sales oriented thing, right? Like you get their motivations and then you bring them back to their motivation, but it's also like life, you know, it's like well, bringing a certain level of accountability beyond the four walls of what you're doing. I mean, it's saying, Hey, look, I'm going to invest in what you're doing as a person. And I'm going to kind of hold, a, a, you're kind of being a life coach. Yeah. That, am I wrong? Yeah, and have I you had any I, pushback from staff on it? Have, have they all been like really receptive and like really into it? I, yeah, I think everybody's really into it. I have a couple that have admitted that um, they worked elsewhere and like drinking alcohol is encouraged and like kind of goofing off is encouraged. And we goof off, but in a different way, right? Like um, I've had two people that said that I want to be here because I know that the other places I'm at, I'm not going to move forward. Mm -hmm. now, I admit that it's like hard. But at the same time, they know, like, that's really respectable, you know, that they, that they're aware of who they are and that they're aware that this might make them better. You know, even if they choose to leave three months later, hopefully they get a little bit better. Um, sure. I guess my biggest concern at this point is like, we want to scale. We want to create other locations actually pretty quickly um, if things work out. But my biggest thing is how do you, how do you scale this, this mentorship and coaching to other people so they can keep doing it. Right. That's the issue when you, grow or at least i've heard right is that like what you do in the first place is really amazing and then you get to second third fourth whatever and then you lose a little bit of that um so i guess that's kind of what i'm working on and i'm just doing that through drilling it into the really good people we have now and i'm hoping that you know they get retained and they can pass that culture on as we expand and put them into different seeds into different areas well see i think that you're onto something here, but I also think that, you know, kind of the statement of the people that stuck in restaurants versus what they really want to do. I feel like there's a misconception about what working in a restaurant is because I, I, I know a lot of people that are career restaurant people and take a lot of offense to people getting stuck in their chosen profession because mm -hmm. I love this and I get paid. My least favorite thing I hear somebody say is, this is not my real job. Mm -hmm. And I go, well, this is, this is very real. These are real dollar bills that I'm making. And my, my wife and children are very real people that I support from doing this. 
And I don't want a half-assed effort because you're putting everything into some other job and you only hear one or two days a week. Like I want everything when you're here and I want to create, I think the whole restaurant culture of this isn't a real job. I think that we as restaurant operators need to step up and do more things like you're talking about more personal development, but because we want people to be more well-rounded in this profession, because this profession discards people and treats people like shit. And when we can actually start treating them like this is an actual career that they want to retire from, that we're going to offer them real benefits and competitive pay, and we're going to take care of them. I think it's people like us that are leading people that it's up to us. It's on our shoulders to change that. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I think also though, it's, it's accepting that um, for a while, that perception of this isn't a real job is, is a reality. You know, I was in dance and like I did TV and I did whatever. And you got plenty of calls like, Hey, what else do you do? This is what I do. I get paid $150 an hour to do this, you know, but you never, you never get away from that. You know, um, the people that really love it, um, in these sexy, I still consider this a sexy career. It's like a, it's one of like the fairy tale yeah. careers, right? Music, entertainment, restaurants, I want to retire and have a restaurant, right? Like it's a, it's a romantic thing and romantic things don't traditionally get paid well. They don't, it, the reality of them are, is really tough and you have to work through a lot of weeds to get to the point of like, you're an owner or you have recognition or you have an executive, whatever the thing is. Um, so I think just accepting that that's a reality or that's a perception. And then um, I guess every single day, uh, just knowing that it's a school more than anything, right? Like we're just like teachers. Every single year you go through a new class of people, right? Like every single year there's new students and you have to repeat the same lessons over and over again. And as soon as you accept that, like just like Danny Meyer says, as soon as you accept that, like putting the salt checker in the middle of the table is your job, then it becomes easier. Yeah. As soon as you accept that you're a teacher, that you're going to keep teaching people the same thing over and over again, you're going to have some turnover and you're going to have to start over. As soon as you accept it, then it becomes like reasonable <laughs> and then focusing on the impact that you had on those people. I don't know. I say we like to hire restaurant people here and we kind of define restaurant people as people that have told their parents that this is what I do and they're okay with it. Yeah. You know, they don't have to continue to say, well, mom, I'm still chasing this dream. I'm just working at this place for a short amount of time. The ones who go, no, this is what I do. This is where I I'm, I'm good at this. I'm good at providing service for people. I spent years learning wine and food and all the backgrounds I mean, you said something interesting earlier that was, hey, look, I'm going to help you. I'd like for you to do something that I care about and that not everybody cares what type of beef we use or whether we're not are using local produce or the new Bordeaux that you're bringing in. Or they even want to learn the difference between old world versus new world. I don't know. I think that those people are out there. And I think that people don't recognize the ability that they may have inside of them to do a great job. I think we lost a lot of people in this industry to the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a unique opportunity for us to come back after the pandemic and really cultivate and motivate people to want to do this. I mean, I think it's, 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 there's a longer conversation there about why is it hard to hire people right now? When I think defining what this is, is really important, right? So like, yeah, I don't, I love food. I love wine. I love restaurants, but I don't think I'm a restaurant tour, right? Like, I think I'm a business owner that is teaching life lessons, if that makes sense. Like, I feel like this is the best um, 
area to reach people that are having trouble and that you can get them out of a hole, right? Like that they may be in, you can help somebody get somebody on their feet, help somebody accomplish their dreams. This just happens to be a building that does that, right? It, there's a medium of food that allows us to do that. So like, I could be very interested in running a tech company. I happen to dislike food and beverage, right? Like, but I could have a tech company that does the exact same motivation of like teaching people, growing people, whatever. And food just happens to be the, the way that I choose to do that. And so I think if you show smart people that really like hospitality and taking care of people, that their are their mission is something different than providing the best Bordeaux or the best meat, then they might view the industry differently and therefore stay longer. If that makes sense. So like, well, I guess I have a I don't I have a little bit of pushback, I guess, because I I don't know. I'm kind of like not sure how I feel about all of it. I, I guess my question is like, yes, stay longer. Right. But, but the, also like they're working on being a real estate agent or they're working on this. So then when does it become, okay, Hey, so you've given us all this time and we appreciate it and we love you now go do the thing you want to do. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I have, and I feel like we're also kind of ignoring the back of house in this, like the dishwashers, that's not a romantic job, right? Like that's not a romantic Oh, I don't, think, I don't think anything that we do actually do is romantic. I think what we, the end result is romantic to the end consumer, if that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, there's definitely a lot, of, like I come from Disney. I worked at, in Disney for a while and like the onstage backstage is very much there. And like Disney is all create the magic, never, never break the magic. Like, so I, I'm all in for that totally. And my husband and I own a restaurant. I'm all in for that. But like the day to day of it, right. Of like, yeah, you have to move the salt shaker every single fucking day. Like, why can't the staff just figure out where the fucking salt shaker goes? I have those feelings all the time. Like, no question. And I'm fully aware that I'm going to be the one fixing the salt shaker. Like, no question. Um, but I just think, and I, I think part of my pushback comes from, like, the idea of so I think there are a lot of restaurant career people. And I also think there's, like, a privilege in the standpoint we're taking right now, which goes against the idea of, a lot of the country, a lot of the restaurant industry is illegal, right? And so with that comes like a totally different set of things and perspective that I don't personally know, which is, okay, why well, I'm in this industry because they don't frequently ask for a green card. So I'm going to stay here and I'm going to work here and I'm just going to go provide and I'm going to work in four of them because that's how much it costs for me to make the living I need for my kid. So I, I just think there's some like Wait, so I'm confused. What are you pushing back against exactly? What point? I, I think it's a very romantic. I think I love the idea. I just think it's very, I think it's a very privileged standpoint for front of house specifically, it sounds like. For um to say that like, oh, to like that you're in it to do things past. To do something else. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Um, I mean, yeah, I think in the back house, because I actually relate more. Yeah, you mentioned you come from back of house, so yeah. definitely. And, and that's actually one thing when I was a kid, being 15 years old, I was like speaking Spanish and Spanish classes. And I would talk to these guys and they said they would come to America and can make enough money to buy their kid a pair of shoes in one day. And it usually take them two weeks back home right. um, or a month. Um, but I think there is still opportunity there too in the back house. Like, what are they? What are they there for? They're there to provide for their family, right? Mm -hmm. They're there to like send money back home. I think there's a big issue with immigrant or like immigrant stuff. Like, I'm a huge advocate of immigration and like open immigration and reform. I would love to talk about that more with like the worldwide community. But um, 
but for chefs and stuff, a lot of them do want their, like it's more, I say there's a more common theme of chefs wanting their own restaurant, wanting mm -hmm. their own food truck, wanting their whatever. And so if you can help them get there, like we have this window, if you want to do a pop-up in the window, amazing. Let us help you get there. Let's learn about inventory. Let's learn about, again, P&Ls, right? From the start, mm -hmm. it like, it takes 30 minutes in a day for me to teach you that versus waiting three years until you're an exec chef to learn about it. Um, so in the back house, what I find is that like people have more similar ambitions. Front of house, they're much more diverse, mm -hmm. but you can still provide somebody with that. And from the back of house, again, how can I teach somebody in the back of house? Typically, there's a lot more ego and there's a lot less, a lot more piracy, right? There's people that come from criminal backgrounds. There's people that came from bad homes more frequently. Um, so how do I teach you to be calm and empathetic and control your emotions? That's one of our values. How do I teach you to be positive, which is more common in the front of house? How do I teach you that like, if um, I would never say this, but in other scenarios, you're fucking up. You're not doing a good job. You're a piece of shit. That's feedback that people get in the restaurant and like in the kitchen. Yeah, I've worked for restaurants that I, were I, got that, I got that in high finance. Yeah. Teaching them that it doesn't matter where you go. You're getting this, you'll get the same feedback. I got doors slammed in my face when I was making very good money in finance. Said, you're a piece of shit. Why did I hire you? Mm. And so for me, I had to think, well, what does that mean? You're a piece of shit. I, I shouldn't have hired you. Well, that means I probably should have got the report on your desk sooner. It also means that let's see here. Maybe I, this, the detail, he wants more detail. And I go talk to like the strategies. I'm like, Hey, he said this. I think it was good. I'm thinking this is what he wants better. And then other people, yeah, this is what he wants. And this, this, and this. So like learning how to work through various forms of feedback is valuable. So mm -hmm. something that is like, I'm a dishwasher, I'm a prep cook, and I'll never get out of this. Well, guess what? No matter what industry you get into, no matter how rich it is, you're going to deal with the same fucking shit all the time. So you might as well learn how to deal with it right here. Because then when you get to the next place, at least you'll be better. You'll be one step closer. So like, I think back house, there's a lot of emotional stuff that we can teach like how to be a leader and how to deal with those things because it's it doesn't get much worse or much like hotter <laughs> than a kitchen so it's mm -hmm. um they can become professionals i tend to think we we focus more time and attention on the connection we have with our staff in the front of the house because the front of the house it's not hot you're not behind the line you kind of have this the guys in the kitchen are technically behind a line they're not accessible like standing in a side station talking to a server is where you go, Hey, how's your family? How's your wife? How's your kids? And you have more resources in the front of the house, like back house. They're just sprinting for their lives versus front of house. Yeah. It's a bit easier. I think that there's a level of connection. I think that the real difference and the thing that you have to have with your team is, is actual connection, like understanding about them and connecting with them. I read, I was reading a book the other day. Uh, you're probably a big fan of Simon Sinek. I imagine. But in the book, Leaders Eat Last, he was talking and he said, people just want connection. He goes, people that don't get, if you have a, a worker who's just an average or a server or whoever, that's an average worker, they come in, they do the job, they do fine, and you never have to like correct them and you never talk to them. They become engaged, disengaged a lot faster and you will lose them at a higher rate than somebody that you go and scream and cuss at. So that you get in their face and actively tell them how bad they're doing and you scream and cuss at them stays maybe like 40% longer than somebody who you do nothing with. And it's just because they people need a level of connection with the person that they're following. And I thought that was so wrong and so interesting 
but just because they were getting yelled at, they felt like, oh, they see me. Yeah. And like how many missed opportunities you have every single day to stop somebody and talk to them and just go, hey, how are you doing? Hey, I saw you do that table. That is really great. I'm really excited about whatever. Just little conversations, real connections. And I think we miss those opportunities in the back of the house because for they're unapproachable. They don't speak English. They don't do this, whatever it might be. But like every single day, I make it a point to walk behind the line and say good morning to every single person online. I know I'm all by their first name. Mm-hmm. And I say hi to them all and I check in on them and go, hey, you worked 12 hours. That was a long ass shift, man. Why'd you have to do that? Is there something I, like that seems like a long day and I'm sorry you were here that long. And I have just a conversation with them and they're and it's not because I'm doing it because I'm checking it off a list. It's because I genuinely care. Like I want to know that their life is good. I don't know. I think that there's just a connection, I think, that gets missed from front of the house to back of the house. Mm-hmm. And we need to foster that like as leaders like yourself, who's in charge of an entire place, who's an uh, owner. Did you, are you, did you gain equity in the, in the uh, restaurant? Yeah. Nice. So yeah, as an owner of a place, I mean, that, that's a major part of it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, do you do that for back of the house too? Do you sit down and find out what their goals are and where they want to be? Yeah. And I'm almost harsher on them about it because they don't think they're not used to it. Like we just promoted a couple sous chefs or we're about to, and I said, you don't get your promotion until you memorize our values. Right. I mean, and the yeah, reason, the spot. well, but part of their values is also their goal. And so we know about that. Um, what are your values? What? What are the values, your core values? Uh, we're positive, especially if the world around us isn't. Um, we're kind, empathetic and control of our emotions. We are positive and forward thinking. Um, we treat each other with dignity and respect. Uh, we grow professionally and personally and professionally. Um, we are fiscally responsible and we over deliver on value, which is product service and overall experience. I love it. Yeah. You know how many times I ask people what their core values are and they get like two or three of them. <laughs> mm-hmm. I had a rep, I had, I had a rep come in. We're doing an RFP right now for our, all of our food business. Yeah, I'm not going to say who it is. What's that? <laughs> I want you to teach me about that. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll sit down and talk. Uh, this yeah. is something I was talking to. I signed up with Reed and Jeff. We were talking about it. The, on March 2nd, I met with them about helping them out with that. And then March 3rd, the next morning, I was like, I, sorry, guys. I know this yeah. sucks. But anyhow, um, we're sitting in the meeting, and the person opened the, the page, and they go, here at XYZ Food Company, we believe in our core values. This is how we live, work, and play. And then on the next page, it had the core values listed. I said, wait, don't turn to the next page. What are your core values? And this person looked at me and goes, no idea. And I went, okay, just checking to see where we're playing here. That you just said you lived, worked, and played by these core values, yet you have no idea what they are. Okay, good deal. And I'm just an asshole, so that was part of me. (laughs) I I would have done the exact same thing. It's just... It's just I, what I try to tell the leaders and the sous chef why I want the sous chefs and our future managers to know that is like, it just makes your job easier. <laughs> it's a, again, be selfish. You know, like when the sous chefs in the back are disagreeing because one comes from one country, one comes the other, and they have different ways of doing things. It's like, hey, what are our values? And they recite them. Are you being empathetic right now? No. Okay. Well, this is a time to grow. Let's let's think about it. Right. So, um Again, a lot of times in the kitchen, there's, like you said, lacks connection. I think you you hit the nail on the head with that. Like that's 100% true. Um, they don't feel connected because you're not involving them in the same things that we preach every single day in the front of the house. 
but like people like structure and they like things to be hard, right? When there's structure and, and there's reasons for things, people take pride in it after, after they learn it, you know, there's resistance in the beginning, but when you show them that you're serious about it, then they learn it and then they're proud and they pass it on really smoothly, you know? And I like tell the sous chefs, you know, if they have disagreements among each other, it's like, what do you think a cook's going to be when he just got out of prison? And you have this other person who is like a kid who is a high schooler or like a, a early college student who just dropped out and just really loves food. Like, do you think they're going to really get along right away? No. Like, so just showing them that, again, these things are meant for like your growth and it's going to make things easier for you in the future. Um, yeah. I think when you, and hopefully if you work in a restaurant, you're listening to this, I mean, the idea of people genuine connection with people in all forms throughout your right if you're a leader if you're anybody that's that's what i've learned through the pandemic i learned that when everybody went home and you started looking at people on zoom or you didn't get to look at sitting next to somebody i mean jen and i do these interviews all the time mm -hmm. and she's on a screen and i'm on a screen mm -hmm. like sitting next to her it's great because i can look at her and see in her eyes like if she's like stop talking or if she's like hey <laughs> i want to say something there's just something that about a human connection that if you're a leader and imagine that when Patrick Lencioni writes the how to lead through a pandemic book, which I don't think has been written yet, there's going to be a lot about empathy. There's going to be a lot about grace and there's going to be a lot about human connection and how important that is in the workspace because we lost it for a while. We, we all had to be away from people for a while. And then there's still like this gradual getting back to it. But I think that's the number one thing that most people missed. And I think that that's the number one thing that we can gain from this is that when you connect with people genuinely, when you connect with your community, mm -hmm. you know, when you connect with your community and you say, look, we want to make this community better because we're not just a place you come in and get food. We want to nourish you and we want to nourish the people around us. We really want to build on our community. And it sounds to me like that's exactly uh, what you're doing. I love the way in which you're approaching it. And I'm glad we've got to talk today. We're we're. It, it goes so fast, these interviews. We're going to have to do it. I have some ideas for you, so I want you to hang out after we're done. But Jen. I only have a couple. We Jen, we're starting a new segment. You're starting off a brand new uh, segment for us because I tend to just talk all the time. And Jen, I love talking to Jen forever. I want, but like, I, she doesn't get enough in here. And I know, like, I want her to always have So she's going to start doing the rapid fire questions for you that you get to do quick hits on. Okay. So Sound these, good? These are, I just have a few. All right, so pizza. Is Chicago style king? Like, is that your end all be all pizza? Yes, to me. Okay, well, you're Do wrong. pineapples belong on pizza? Yes. Oh, that's my boy. <laughs> I say yes to pineapple, no to Chicago style. Mm -hmm. um, what your biggest change since taking over Germantown Cafe? Like, quick answer. What's the biggest change? Mm -hmm. Well, you guys got an Instagram, which is big. Okay. Yeah, right. Um, I think, yeah, um, a culture that everybody aligns with. Perfect. Um, favorite style of dance outside a ballroom? Um, hip hop. Okay. And, dirty. and who's going to win uh, Dancing with the Stars? Um, it's a good question. I haven't watched it in a minute. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. A bunch of my reality stars are on. I love reality TV and a bunch of them are on it. <laughs> Do you watch the Bachelor Bachelorette series franchise? I don't. I watch World of Dance. Usually YouTube didn't it. So, okay, my husband is obsessed with the Lay Twins, like has been for years okay. and years and years. And so when they won, he was like, like the first episode, he's like, they're going to win. There's no question they're going to win. And then of course they won. And then 
Yeah, but then we had twins, and he's like, maybe they'll be like the lay twins. <laughs> and I'm like, Isn't her mom like a world-renowned choreographer or something? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're they're. I'll show you some videos. They're like incredibly impressive. I don't know what, what language you guys are talking about. The lay twins. Are, they were on tour with Beyonce. They're incredible. I don't know who that is? There you go. It's like me talking about fantasy football to you. There you go. Yeah. Sean, thank you for joining us today. We didn't get to talk a whole lot about the actual Germantown Cafe, but <laughs> thank goodness, because at the end of every one of our episodes, I like to give our guests the opportunity to say whatever they want to say for as long as they want to say it. You get to take us out. Jerry's final thought style and uh, go. Uh, well, I guess I want to say, because this national base is like the support has been uh, amazing. There's so many people that are just so happy that we're back open and they're willing to try anything and we're trying new things at the cafe um to be fiscally healthy one of our values and to grow um so what we're trying to do at germantown cafe now is provide choice to people and i think that's a world trend but it's also a community trend like it, you accept people for who they are and and for all the different needs that they have in their life and so um, when you order with us, you can do everything on mobile. You can just do a couple things on mobile, or you can just have the good old-fashioned traditional experience like everybody knows and loves. And I do ask that people are empathetic because if you like the traditional experience, there are people like me that has a one-year, eight-month-year-old who appreciates service but needs to get in and out, and that style of service and QR codes is very good for me, and I'm a member of Germantown as well. So... Um, and there's lots of new people in Germantown of all different ages that appreciate different levels of service. So, you know, we're doing our best to build community and relate to everybody. And we hope that um, everybody else can be patient and kind and empathetic towards um, everybody else in the restaurant as well. And know that we're doing the best we can for everybody that walks in, for our staff, and also for the health of our business so we can actually be around for another 15 years. Fantastic. I was just going to say, I'm glad somebody decided to hammer out like whatever they're pounding out right behind as you were getting into all of your stuff. That was awesome. Yeah, that was, that was uh, Jeff pounding out some plum pork, I'm sure. How do you, do you enjoy working with Jeff? Yeah, he's great. He's like, he cares about this place so much and he's a really good leader. He is very calm under pressure and deals with, you know, employees in a very good way. Like, yeah, he's fantastic. You know, He's passionate. Yeah, he's the only chef that I know. Well, one of the only chefs that I know that actually goes home and continues to cook nice things. Most chefs <laughs> don't. Um, he's like, guess what I cooked last night? I don't know. How did you have the energy or motivation to do any of that? So that's pretty <laughs> awesome. He's got a pretty amazing family. He's a pretty awesome guy. You're a pretty awesome guy. Thank you, Sean, for joining us on Nashville Restaurant Radio. Happy uh, Thanksgiving. Yeah. Happy yeah. holidays. Thanks Happy holidays. Thanks, Sean. Thank you. All right. So some interesting conversation going on there with Sean Lyons. Uh, love to know what you think about it. Send us a message. We're going to be posting about this on the Instagram and Facebook. Put your comments in there. Listen to it. Let us know. We'd like to start the conversation. I thought there's some really interesting things that were said. So um, hope you guys had a wonderful holiday. Happy Black Friday and uh, happy holidays. We will be back on Monday with Brian Baxter from the Catbird Seat. Hope that you guys are being safe out there. Uh, go get vaccinated. Get your booster. Love you guys. Bye.